0: We are brought to you by MS Mechanical and Home Improvement LLC. If you need any HVAC or home improvement work, my guy Anthony Merritt is the guy to call. Uh, he does AC and heat installs, AC servicing, sheet metal, handyman work, or just general repairs. He's fully licensed and insured. I've known him for many years, and one of his things that he's always perfected his craft on was the passion for his HVAC work. We've been longtime friends and even uh, classmates. He is a great person, and so great he will give you 10% off just for mentioning the Clocked Out Podcast. So if you have any home improvement jobs or any HVAC jobs that are coming up, I would definitely recommend Anthony Merritt. You can reach him at 203-841-8385 or on Instagram at MS Mechanical One. That is two zero three eight four one eight three eight five or on Instagram at MS Mechanical One. Welcome back to the Clocked Out Podcast. I am here with a Special guest of mine. Why don't you introduce yourself and 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 uh, and list the multiple talents I'm sure you have. I can probably this remember industry. a couple of them.
1: Uh, so I'm Michael Whitehouse. I'm the guy who knows a guy, and <laughs> I do a number of different things. I'm a motivational speaker, podcaster, author, networking coach, and more. Uh, most of what I do is I work with small business owners, individuals. People who are looking to better their lives and their business, uh, particularly through building networks. Awesome. Because uh, I, I moved here in 2014, knowing absolutely nobody, and by 2016, people were calling me up and saying, "Hey, we got a vacancy on the Rtm. Do you want it? Hey, we, yeah, uh, you know, we should. You should join the Rotary Club. You should join this. You should join that." And I realized I was connecting. People who lived here for generations, so other people who lived here for generations who didn't know each other. Right. And I said, I seem to be doing something here.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's all about who you know. Yes. You know what I mean? And um, I'm glad that uh, the post that I posted on the Groton page really panned out. And mm-hmm. I met some great people, um, met some, met, met, met like a few not so great people, you <laughs> know, just uh, keeping it, you know, professional. But um, yeah, no, it was a, a welcoming experience to be back i used to live here from 2013 to 2016 Mm -hmm. Uh, then i moved to europe and did a little backpacking had fun and Mm. came back to america moved back to my hometown and and i find myself with a career opportunity and back in this area and reconnecting with all my old friends and it's a really good feeling I, i love this this area um it's been nothing but nice to be back yeah I love it. Um, so let's talk about uh, your motivational speaking. Like, mm-hmm. when did you get involved in that? How did you get involved in that? Um, and really, like, you know, what what uh, what kind of different things do you do with that?
1: Well, so I've always enjoyed motivational speakers. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, there, there's some people who are like, "Oh, you're drinking the Kool Aid, and you're, you're just, uh, you know, you're just getting, you know, you're just listening." To and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I am. I love drinking the Kool Aid. Love Kool Aid. I mean, That's not it. real. I don't like real Kool Aid, <laughs> but I love drinking the Kool Aid." So you know. All the way back in, in uh, college, when I worked for Vector, which they sell the knives, the okay. uh, network marketing knife company, I go to the conference and they be all the music and the rah 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 and the thing, and I just love that that energy. And even when I yeah. started to learn, like oh, this opportunity is not quite what I thought it was, but the energy there was just so cool. And I was like, I want to be on that stage. I want to be that guy. Uh, I still have not gotten to the point where I can be on the stage and be that guy, but uh, because I really got into it formally, I mean, I've been mm. doing it. My, my, I have a YouTube channel that goes back two thousand eight. Okay. Where i've been sharing this yeah kind of you stuff. mentioned
0: that yeah that's the that's pand- a that's yeah. a long time
1: <laughs> so when the pandemic came the magazine i was publishing became a much less tenable uh business concept gotcha and i i tried to make it work but i also discovered some some coaching concepts and some coaching sales strategies and I've kind of always wanted to be a coach. I like helping people. I like solving their problems. I'm really good at like a problem comes in front of me. Right. And I'm like, ooh, problem.
0: Let's, let's make it work. And, yeah. yeah. And
1: just kind of having that mind to fix other people's problems. Nice. More than my own, but other people's problems I'm great with. So I, I kind of started leaning into that and realized the magazine wasn't really going to be a fit for me anymore. Gotcha. And that freed me up to do what I've always wanted to do, which is the coaching with that, the, the motivation – And so at the beginning of this year, I launched a podcast called um, Morning Motivation, which is a two- to five-minute morning motivational podcast. So most of my motivational speaking is through podcast form. Gotcha. Uh, And then I do some speaking, which is more educational, teaching, networking strategies, sales strategies, Awesome. those kinds of things. Yeah, I mean,
0: honestly, I took public speaking in college, and Mm -hmm. it is not easy. It is not easy for uh, those who think it is. Uh, Congratulations (laughs) on that. But I... I have not found um, a way to properly go about it without feeling a, a little bit uncomfortable.
1: You know what I mean? So, so you want to know, the, you know what the secret is? What's that? Do it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> In 2003, I started a Rocky Horror Picture Show cast. Mm-hmm. So I was the director. I uh, auctioned off the – the. you familiar with Rocky and the What's that? You familiar with Rocky R Picture Show?
2: Rocky R Picture Show. I'm not.
1: Maybe too young. Wow. Oh wow! Um, so the Rocky Horror <laughs> <laughs> hey, Show. You could educate me. I, yeah. I'm, you know. Yeah, so this so, is we, what, so what it was this a movie is. that in this in it came out in 1975, and at the time it was so avant-garde and and it was pushing all kinds of mores, and they started having midnight showings of it, and people would come to it and then start acting out the parts, and they'd have audience callback lines and all this, so it became kind of a, a, a big thing. Okay, and it was part of what sort of liberated our culture um, to be. Like, the fact that people are now more accepting of of trans people and homosexuality and all these right. alternative lifestyles, yeah. Rocky Horror was a lot of that.
0: Right, so they brought that into... Yeah, because people
1: in college would watch the movies and be like, oh, this is kind of cool. And, you know, you, you cross-dress for fun, and and so it kind of yeah. became more comfortable. And now, however many years later, was it 45 years later, 46 years later... Now it, it's behind the curve. But
0: well, you're talking about, like, what was that? The 80s, 70s?
1: Uh, 1975. Okay. So, first yeah, came 70s. so, yeah, So 70s. Yeah. So, you know, in the 80s and 90s, it was, oh, my goodness. That's yeah. so shocking. Now yeah. it's like, eh,
0: Now it's just normal. Now yeah, it's like whatever. nature.
1: Um, but, but so, so would there would be live shadow casts, and we'd actually get up on stage every week. And so I was director. I'd often do the emceeing, the introductions, the welcome to the show. I'd do the auction. Um, we'd nice. auction off inflatable saxophone. And so I was up in front of a live audience Every week for three years.
0: Oh, that's
2: cake. Yeah. Yeah. So, you're, you're getting. And, all and the
1: also, and it was a friendly audience because, you know, it was all, they're all rocky people. And, mm. and but after you, after you do that 150 times, when it comes time to actually give a speech somewhere, eh. Easy. Whatever. Easy. Piece I'm of just, cake. Just talking Piece to the people. Piece
0: of cake. Exactly. And, and so,
1: you know, in Facebook Live, same way. Right. You know, I've talked to a live audience, so I'm just talking to my camera now. Hey, or, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: so, any, any experience helps. Yep. Any yeah, experience I've, I've helps.
1: I've probably done. Maybe three or four hundred videos since the pandemic started. Wow! Um, so, since so, the pandemic started, yeah. yeah and I, I, how
0: many videos, like total, probably in the thousands?
1: Um, probably under oh, a okay. thousand. Um, I, I was getting close to daily for a while.
0: Wow! Uh, but, daily you know, is tough, though. Yeah.
1: that's a lot. But man. but for people who are like, oh, I, I I can't, you know, I don't know how to do a Facebook Live. I don't know how to do a video. It's just do it. Yeah, you know, doing three hundred is easier than doing ten, right? Because your tenth one, you're still like, okay, let me make sure I'm saying the right things. Mm-hmm. Let me plan up. Now, when I do a Facebook Live, I have a vague idea of something I kind of want to talk about, right? And I go live.
0: Yeah, that's and, it. And, and you know, honestly, like, um, my friends are trying to get into podcasting, mm-hmm. and um, actually, I shouldn't say trying. They definitely are. They have their shows, and um, but I say trying because um. They want they want to know like how it is to talk to someone so naturally and not stutter and like let things just roll like mm-hmm. conversations just roll while maintaining okay i'm on camera i'm on the microphone the eyes are on me right now mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it's like uh naturally i'm just i'm a talker you uh-huh. know uh, i'm portuguese so that's all we do is talk. <laughs> we, drink, we drink and talk you know so um it's uh it's a good quality to have, and it's not something that you could teach. It's like, muscle memory, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, just do it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and, and, like, what we're doing here, being actually at a table. This is the first interview I've done at a table. Really? In, uh, um, hmm, the first 11 episodes of the Guy Knows a Guy podcast I did in person. And then, uh, uh, yeah, a few of those interviews were in person. And then the pandemic hit, so I relaunched it. Right. So then it was over Zencaster. Yeah. Um, which is all remote. And, and so there when we're doing video i like you know you want you want to talk about being self-conscious there's a video of me on the screen yeah so, so i'm watching yeah, myself talk yeah. like i'm i'm aware there's a camera over there mm. but I, I don't see myself on it right. i just see a camera exactly whatever. yeah um so i'm not really it's it's not in my awareness
0: it's it's crazy because somehow some way i um was able to keep it face to face you know what I mean, and I don't. I, you know I knock on wood mm-hmm. uh, a lot. Uh, last month I did. I did in the beginning, so no worries. I did get COVID when I first moved here, mm-hmm. and luckily it was like a welcoming gift. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> really to your COVID. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, this is the county with the highest infection rate. Okay. In Connecticut, so it was. Uh, it was a little intimidating, but you know, no no worries. I mean, I've been I've been doing my thing this entire time normally, and um, you know. I respect everybody's decision to do whatever they want. And, um, and so it was, it just, it, for some reason it just kept going and, um, I never really had to stop what I was doing mm-hmm. because of it. Like even the week, uh, the, the 10 days that I had to quarantine, yep. um, I luckily by chance, not even planned. I had an extra episode already uploaded Okay. and it, Cut out instead of missing two episodes, I missed one. Okay, and that one episode I just ranted for I don't know, maybe 20 minutes by myself. So it's like it would, you know, knock on wood, Mm -hmm. but you know, everybody's safe, and we 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 do I cater to everybody if if guests you know feel a certain type of way about things, you know, you make it work
1: if you really want it. Well, and and for me, I've been a lot more careful because I have a wife and a daughter, right? And of course, my daughter can't get vaccinated, and um, and if if I get sick, and my wife's exposed um, before the vaccine. She then have to stay out of work for two weeks. Oh, my God. It's a nightmare. Um, and the whole quarantine. So, like, the, the downstream effects, right. even if I was only mildly or asymptomatic right. or whatever. So, yeah, we were we were fully, like, locked down for a very long time. But partly because mm. it, it didn't have to be. Right. Um, going online has been one of the greatest blessings I've had. Yeah. Um, because what it did it pushed me out of... The comfort zone of when I was publishing the magazine. I mean, I, BBM is a great company to work for. Okay. And I love working with them. But it's not my company. There you it's go. someone else's thing. Yeah. And it's a good thing. If yeah. you don't have your own thing, best version of media, great company to work yeah, with. Yeah, for sure. But I was working their track, their way. And I am not an orthodox individual. <laughs> uh, so what it forced me to do, it forced me out of there. Yeah. I started doing the coaching mm-hmm. uh, in in the summer and into the fall of 2020. And it took off quickly at first, and then I realized I didn't actually have the coaching chops necessarily to deliver some things I was promising. Gotcha. Because I learned a great sales strategy, but oh, didn't wow. have all the sales tools, all, all the coaching tools. That kind of broke my confidence, so I wasn't comfortable using that sales strategy anymore. Yeah. Uh, and those those customers kind of dropped off. So then I started, okay, now let me get those skills, let me take the courses, and and really right steps, yeah. build all the that. Yeah. But over the course of this year and a half, I've tried so many things, so much mm. trial and error, so much experimentation. Um, Keeping my bills paid with a bunch of gig work. Yeah, it's a great time. You have to keep it rolling. It is a a great time to be an entrepreneur right now. Oh, for sure. Side yes, note, for because, sure, because you can go out and drive Uber for thirty bucks an hour. Really? Yeah. So Wait you, a second. Thirty
0: dollars an hour?
1: I made nine hundred dollars this weekend driving Lyft.
0: Are you? Excuse my French. Are you fucking kidding me? Nine
1: hundred dollars. Nine hundred dollars this, this weekend. weekend. Yes, Friday okay, through Sunday. So
0: we're gonna have to talk after this. <laughs> I'm gonna have my people call your people yep. and, and set it up because yeah. what well, is
1: so. So there's a couple of reasons why. Okay. Uh, Why gig work is so lucrative. Um, So the the ones that's most lucrative is moving people, because people pay the most to move themselves. Mm. They won't pay as much to move their food or their stuff as they will to move themselves. Okay. Um, But Lyft and Uber are in constant competition for both riders and drivers. Okay. So if Lyft gets short of drivers, they start throwing bonuses. And if they get shorter, they start throwing bigger bonuses. So there's this kind of swing of the drivers go over here, and then the drivers go over there, and the drivers go over here. So all the drivers kind of went over to Lyft uh, Uber, and Lyft was like, whoa, 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 come back. Here, have some money. Yeah. So they put a big bonus on. So I'm like, all right, let's do Lyft for the weekend. And yeah, when I first got back into it in May, Uber is throwing the big bonuses. I'm like, all right. All right. Because you can <laughs> switch at will. Like, if I'm driving on a Saturday afternoon and I got a text message from the other company saying, $200 bonus today, Well, buy Lyft, over to Uber. Yeah, yeah. It, it is the epitome of, of the market. Okay. And workers usually don't get the benefit of the market because there's so much friction. If you want to leave your job and get a new job, you got to interview and you got to go through the process and the background check and the this and that and the whole thing. Mm. Um, and it, I mean, right now, if you're working at McDonald's and Taco Bell offers you two bucks an hour more, then they'll fast track it and they'll, like they'll fill the paperwork out and you're hired that day. Yeah, for but sure. normally it's a it's a thing.
0: Yeah, it's a whole process. Even to get a job, uh, I mean, yeah. Now, if you try to get a job right now, mm-hmm. anybody is hiring. Yeah. Anybody is hiring. Yeah. If you've always had a dream of working at Starbucks, well, guess what? Yeah. You could walk out of your interview with a job. Right. Uh, and it's it's crazy that that's – I mean, I can't go anywhere now mm-hmm. without having – like maybe like to get a coffee or whatever. I'm talking like strictly entry-level positions. Yep. Um, But I can't go anywhere without not seeing somebody. You know what I mean? Like there's no – there are no workers at these places mm-hmm. and it takes triple the time sometimes so your fast yep. food's really not that fast yeah. anymore <laughs> and um it's it's crazy the world we're living in it yep. is it's crazy but, how but but you could use that to your advantage too
1: oh yeah no and that's um actually I'll, I'll get back to that but but normally switching jobs even in a a good market like this is tough there's still a process there's a bit of a risk with the gig work you could have DoorDash, Lyft and Uber on your phone Wow, and if you're like you know what, I'm sick of dealing with people. You turn off Uber, you turn off Doordash, you turn on Doordash. Mm-hmm. You start delivering food, right? You know, I feel like uh, traveling across the country. You turn off Doordash, you turn on Roadie. You know, and and Roadie Roadie uh, is a, a package delivery service. Pa- oh, it is probably the least lucrative per hour that I've seen. Um, but if you want to like, if take, you
0: just want an excuse to travel,
1: yeah, because you can do it anywhere because it's it's items, oh. it's not people. So, so yeah, you can get on Roadie and you'd be like, I feel like going to Texas. So to find things are going in that direction, right? And and it's you, you see a map of what what how far it's going in an arrow pointing in the right direction.
0: All this with the incentive of or the incentive to buy a nice car, yeah, <laughs> because you're gonna if we're, with all these miles you're putting on and all that you're gonna.
1: Yeah, yeah you, you want to get something like a used Honda Civic. You know, you don't <laughs> want a Ford F One Fifty. You don't want a BMW. Well, I don't think
0: you could drive. Could you what like what are the standards for driving with people as far as like Uber and Lyft? Like uh, you have to have a decent looking car. It has right? to
1: be within six years or seven years. Really? Yeah.
0: Also, oh, it's so it's got to be fairly new. Has to be newish. Yeah. Okay. But,
1: but yeah, Doordash. You don't even have to have a car. You can do it on a bicycle. You can do it on a scooter, what? moped.
0: Wait um, a second. So if someone has, my food's gonna get cold if you ride a bike.
1: Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you, you have <laughs> it takes to take short trips. Then. They're they're certainly a quality standard. But okay. like if you're in New York City. There's people in New York City who deliver DoorDash on foot. All right, because everything's so close it's, together. Yeah, they
0: just either maybe even hop on the the subway yeah. and, and get there in two minutes. Yeah, I mean
1: around here you you really need a car. But I mean you could you could do it if you had a good That's, a good warm yeah. bag. You have one of those like uh, ATV, you know, those three wheel huh. things that look like they're from the future. Um, you can zip around in one of those or a yeah, motorcycle do look or like
0: little mini spaceships. But uh, yeah, I just wish uh I wish we had better public transportation yes you know what i mean
1: like europe
0: is so great on that and Mm -hmm. i spent a year living in portugal and and it was just great i just i could go anywhere literally from i don't know maybe walking from like here to the river or something like that Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and um hop on the train the train takes me to the bus station the bus station could take me to madrid if i wanted to go there it's just it's so easy there, effortless, and here it's like, damn, you really need a car. Yeah, and well, if you and, get a car, you have a, to pay taxes, and, and there's easy. a whole
1: history as to why, you know, public transportation got uh, got nerfed.
0: What? What's uh, that? Uh,
1: so back in the old days, um, General Motors and the big car companies would, because uh, there were a lot of private public transportation companies, mm-hmm. so private bus companies, and whatnot, and GM would buy them up and and dismantle them. Wow! To 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 make it so you had to get a car, they would they eliminated. You know, their lobbyists made sure that highways don't have sidewalks on them, and that's so um, crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's so, so crazy so, to me. Yeah, they intentionally built a world that required cars, so you had to get cars. What? Yeah, it, apparently ethics hadn't been invented in the '40s, <laughs> uh, in the, the '50s. Um, yes. Yeah, so Who would have thought? Who would have yeah. thought? Yeah, but, I mean, but what, so what I was saying with the, the gig work is yeah. the the powerful thing about it is it's frictionless for the the workers. Okay. So. It's it, you can be fired frictionlessly. Yeah, from a job, um, and not entirely because it it's weird. If like, like, if if you or I have a job, we feel like we can be fired at any moment. Mm. But that guy in the next cubicle who's not doing his job well, we got to write him up again. Then we got to write him up. We got to document. We got to this. We got that. So apparently, only good people can get fired easily. Yeah. But but in theory, you can be fired at any time for anything. For sure. Um, but if you go to trying to find another job, good luck. Whereas with these gig things, you can have all the apps in, you've already done your background check, you're ready to go, you can switch at will.
0: You just do your cycles. Yeah, you so, just...
1: so it would be as if you know, you're working for McDonald's, you get tired, you know, your boss yells at you, you walk out the door and walk over to Wendy's and finish the rest of your shift over there. Right. You can absolutely do that in gig work. Hmm. And that, that creates a market, uh, market for labor, which is a free, real free market, like Adam Smithian free market, where people are paid what the market demands, Right and people aren't gonna draw, gonna deal with what they have to deal with for Uber for twelve bucks an hour.
0: It is, it is and a it, it it's a luxury now to work for, like you said, these little gigs because mm-hmm. you could just switch mm-hmm. and, um, I feel like other than besides ha- having to have a car yep. because you know that's the only, real I I mean and a background check. Yeah, those are the only and they'll rent you the car. What's that?
1: They'll rent you the car.
0: So you could rent a car?
1: Yeah. Yeah. If, if you have a clean driving record, a clean background, um, it's like $220 a week. Jeez. And they'll rent you a car. What? Because they want drivers. If, if all it takes is renting you a car.
0: But it comes out of your pay.
1: Yeah. You have to pay for it. Right. Um, but actually, it's so 200, I think it's, it's uh, 200, 220 a week. If you compare that to buying a car, financing it, uh, so that, that includes maintenance and insurance.
2: Oh, okay. It's like renting a car. You know? Okay.
1: Okay. Um, so for two twenty a week, that's eight eighty a month. Which compare that to a car payment, insurance, and taxes. And, uh, taxes. Yeah, you don't pay taxes on it, um, and maintenance. It's still more than if you bought your own car, but not not dramatically more. Right, and you can make you know thirty bucks an hour,
0: and you have that. You could use that car for personal use. Right. Oh man. Yeah, you drive. What am I doing
1: drive forty? You know, drive forty hours a week. Forty right. times thirty is twelve hundred. Um, now you do have to make sure you're set up like a small business, okay? Uh, because there's no withholding. So if you're not if you're not uh, counting your miles and and keeping your deductions, you're going to pay fifty percent in taxes, right? But if you do deduct, it's fifty eight cents a mile. There you go. So every, and and on average, I think I make like eighty something cents a mile. Jeez. Because um, I, I you're not paid for every mile you drive; you're only paid for the miles. Right, you. right. But so you make like eighty something cents a mile. I can deduct fifty eight. So you do the math on that. What the taxes look like? Yeah. And and that's pretty good. And so what what's been huge about this is in the beginning I was like, hey, I got to get clients, I got these one on one clients, and I got to make the money because otherwise I'm gonna starve. And then I started doing gig work, and my my perspective pulled back. Instead right. of being like, all right, I got to get a client right now, it was all right. Hold on, what can I do in six months that'll make something instead of six hours?
0: Try to rush, yeah. yeah so
1: no. now I talk to a client I'm like, I can work with you or not, you yeah, know, whatever, whatever you want to do. Well, it's no big deal to
0: if, me. If, if if you got cold feet, we'll talk again.
1: Whatever. i do not <laughs> anywhere. Um but I, I so I'm now focusing on these projects that are gonna come to fruition in uh, in February and June and you know, next year sometime, I can experiment, I can iterate. And
0: the best part about that is that you get to plan it better. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yep. it's not like it's not something that you just put together last minute. You could actually thoroughly yes. plan. Yep, yep. And that's something that I'm currently working on with a, a couple other of uh, creative people, and we're mm-hmm. you know I don't want to spill the beans too much yet because we we do have some crazy ideas coming out that could possibly change the change the lives of of my me and my friends and, and really get to the next level. And I you know anything's better if you put time into it. Mm-hmm. Though I, I genuinely feel that. Yep. So the more time you put into something the better quality it's going to be. Just like my best man speech at my brother's wedding. Yep. I hate public speaking, but, but, uh, I put probably about like a month or two into that speech. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I did change it up like on the spot last minute after a few of these whiskeys, but, uh, No, it was, it was probably one of the best speeches that I could come up with, mm-hmm. and it was perfect timing because of putting the time in. And you could translate that into your projects that you do with clients and, and different um, ideas like that. You could actually put the time in to make sure they're absolutely at the best that they could be.
1: Yep. Well, and, and one of the big things besides time is putting money into it. That, that, yeah. That's been a big, a big mindset shift is one of my, my big mindset shifts recently is going from the mindset of $10,000 is a lot of money. $10,000 is not that much money. Right. Now, if you find yourself with an unexpected bill for $10,000, yeah, it's yeah, a, lot a lot of, of money. money to everyone. <laughs> but if what is between you and some successful business thing is $10,000, it's not nothing. a lot of money. That's nothing. Yeah, uh, because you know, a, a, I, I, I talked to the bank at one point um, about something I was it didn't end up doing. It, it was a franchise thing that would have cost $10,000. And... I, I was talking about you know what it would take to to do that, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you would just, we wouldn't bother to make that a business loan. It's only only ten thousand dollars. that'd be a personal loan. Um, so we'd just check against your credit and, and uh, yeah, you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> and beyond, you know if the bank owner not, it, yeah. maybe you don't have good credit or maybe for whatever reason, um, you can't do it. There are people out there, you know individuals who you know, business people, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, whatnot, mm-hmm. if you have a solid idea, and can explain what that money's for, they'll put up the money,
0: right? Because they want some.
1: Yep. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because there's there's uh, different, you know, different things I'm working. There's one thing I'm working on. It's uh is actually there's another partner I have who brought up, brought the money. Hmm. I'm bringing the I'm doing the interviews. It's gonna be a, a summit. So, um, my partner didn't want to be on camera doing all the interviews and whatnot. Gotcha. She, she's like you should do that. And I'm like, yes, I should. Um, <laughs> uh, but. And and yeah, you know, the return is going to be like three, at least three X, oh, wow. on the investment. So, yeah, you know, in the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, they talk about the idea that poor people work for money, rich people make money work for them. Right. So it's about that, you know, r- rich people, rich mindset, not necessarily millionaires, but people are you know entrepreneurs. Mm. They've got some cash and they're like, where can I put this cash to you make know, more cash? They're not looking to get three percent in a CD. No, they're looking to get three X. Oh, know, yeah, They're looking sure. to turn 10,000 to 30,000 in six months. And the key thing is that I think a lot of people don't realize because most people are like, oh, I, I tried investing once. I lost everything. I'm never going to do it again. Mm. Is you win in business the same way you win in a poker tournament. Okay. So if you're playing, if you play one hand of poker, it's luck. Yeah. You, know, you draw 2 7. All right. You yeah, lose. Yep. Like, what can you do? But in a poker tournament, you get dozens of hands. And so it's making sure you fold on the 2 7. But when you get. You know the good hands, properly bluffing and getting the, all the money you can out of your opponents, and keeping that one going, and knowing how far to push and how far not to push. Mm. Um, and that's everyone has the same luck in a tournament, basically. I mean, right. you know, at the right moment, do they have the better hand? There's right, right, there's right. always a little factor of yeah, yeah, luck. Yeah, yeah. But the way you consistently win is you make sure that your wins pay off big and your losses don't cost too much. So, for example, there's there's a lot of programs I'm I'm coming across that. I'd say probably have an 85% chance to turn ten thousand into thirty to a hundred thousand. Um, you know, different types of courses like uh, there's one called the Million Dollar Book Launch. Yeah. So you pay them ten thousand dollars. They got a whole team. You write a book. Um, they teach you how to promote it and how to build the launch and how to get the partners and the the affiliate partners and the program and that, the whole thing. Um, and it's probably you know 85% chance you'll make at least six figures off a ten thousand dollar investment. That's a lot of work. It's, yeah, not, of like, course. it's to, not get rich to, quick. Oh, for sure. Um,
0: Can't just but, go out and make a book.
1: Yeah, but it's a big, you know, big payoff. Mm. And I, I'd say probably, yeah, 80, 85%. So if you do just one, 15% chance that you you lose. Right. Now, losing might still look like getting your money back. But let's just say 50% chance you lose everything. Okay. And now you're that person who says, I tried investing once. It didn't work. But if you do it twice, instead of going to the bank and getting 10,000, you go to the bank and get 20,000. Right, you get two of these programs that both look credible. You know they're vetted. You know someone who's done them. You know don't yeah. just not just like oh I saw I'll an just ad on give Facebook someone ten grand. Yeah. Well, that's not like you see an ad on Facebook. It sounds great. They got a great pitch. And oh then, god, like, what's going on? Um, you know, it's got to be someone where you've, you've you've got some connection to them. You're in some kind of yeah. community with them. Yeah, but you find two of these things. You put ten into each of them. You do them both. The probability they both fail is very low. Right. One fails, one succeeds. Well, you invested 20, you made 100. Yeah. Both succeed, you made 200. Which is great. Uh, but it, it's it's about that thing of doing, you know, you don't bet everything you have on this one surefire thing. Right. And that's, and, and, and especially now, you know, these opportunities a lot are because of the internet. Because now you can access. Anything. You know, you can reach billions of people. Now, reaching billions of people means actually reaching hundreds of people, Okay, um, of which seven of them are going to buy your $10,000 product. But that's $70,000, yeah. and now you win. Yeah. Um, whereas I think a lot of people are still in the like, oh, I'm going to invest in my friend's restaurant. Well, restaurants are capital intensive. They're risky. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of you – know everything from health code violations to nobody shows up to the food spoils. So there's a pandemic. Bad review, yeah.
0: bad food critic review, uh, yep. the list goes on and on. Yep. You see restaurants come in and out all the time.
1: Yep. But but you launch a virtual summit. You do a virtual book launch. You do a, um, a speaking tour, a mastermind program. There's hmm. all these different things you can do in the internet space that are much more about, um, you know, that are much lower overhead. You're not renting a space. You're not hiring no, a staff. No, you just you're put not, in the work yeah, in. You just put the work in. Right. And With then you guidance. Get the, yeah. Which is great yep now, now that said i'm not saying everyone should go to the internet because then we'll yeah. have nothing here no <laughs> right if everyone listens to that advice we have no restaurants and then I'm exactly very sad. exactly um,
0: we need those restaurants
1: yep. but i'm um, actually another project i'm working on um is that somebody recently on on facebook said we need more entertainment here in groton
0: oh for sure you, you know, arch- i've thought about that for yeah. years
1: video arcades laser tag mm. uh, roller skating rinks paintballs stuff like that right and so i looked at that And I kind of took what I've been learning on the internet, not learning on the internet, but living in the internet for two years and said, wait a minute, what would it take to put that together that would not require a million dollar loan? Mm. So, you know, what you need is you need a space, you need equipment, you need promotion, um, probably a few other resources. But so for space, you find a space that's been vacant for a while and bring the owner on the team. For equipment... You find someone, maybe someone that used to own a laser tag place, and and they closed it, but they sold the equipment. Okay. Or they bought the equipment thinking they'd open one, but never opened. Um, or just someone who always thought it'd be cool to have enough equipment for, you know. <laughs> just
0: to it, do it in their backyard. Yeah, but,
1: well, cause that, that's the thing with, with both laser tag and paintball yeah, yeah. is is it's not that expensive to have enough equipment for, like, 20 no. people. No, not, not at uh, all. Because you don't need a – it's a laser tag facility can be as nice or as simple as you want it to be. All the equipment and stuff you wears, so, you know, the vest, and yeah. The gun and those, I'm sure like, the the equipment software.
0: for 20 people would probably be like around maybe a thousand. Yeah, maybe a thousand.
1: Yeah. So, so you know, someone's probably got it lying around, um, or there's companies that lease arcade machines. That's true too. So there might be a company that got a warehouse full of equi- full of machines that are just sitting there. They'd be willing to roll them out as a partner for a revenue share. Um, if they lose, they lose. You know, the cost of shipping them out there and shipping them back. If they, they don't win, lose they, much. If they win, they have a continuing interest and a functioning business. Um, So I started thinking about, like, what if we got everyone together? Because if you do it the traditional way, well, you got to risk a lot for the rent and risk a lot to rent these machines and risk a lot. But if you get the people in who don't, it's not a high risk for them. Oh, for sure. So I'm thinking about, like, getting together these collaborative partners. And I have no idea what form it'll take. I don't know. There's a few buildings that fit the requirements Mm -hmm. um, that have been empty for a while, and they've got local owners. Um, I don't know which ones would want to play ball. But I imagine they'd... You know, don't like – even if it fails, it brings attention to their building. Right. So if they make no money –
0: Any new business yeah. is going to – especially in a town like Groton, a city mm-hmm. like Groton. Like I, I've, I've noticed that everyone goes to other places mm-hmm. for their entertainment, for their relaxation, for their drinks, for their food. Like people go to New London and, and they go to Westerly and they go to mm-hmm. Stonington and all these places. It's like – why can't Groton have that as yep. well? You know, like well, we I mean, have a lot to offer here, and you know more than I do. Technically, mystics,
1: technically, half of Mystics in Groton. but yes, right. Yeah, they're not going to Groton City for a drink.
0: Either. Right, you're absolutely right.
1: Um, well, they they go to Forty Thieves.
0: Forty Thieves. I yeah, a fair yeah. number of
1: people go to go there, but but yeah, it, it's not that kind of destination. Cause it doesn't have well, and, and what it does have is is bars and restaurants. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't have like Montville, Route eighty five in Montville. Yeah. That's where the cool stuff is. Okay, Dinosaur Park, Technology Museum. Indoor go-karting, axe-throwing, actual racetrack.
0: We also need space for these things. Right, so, so that, that's yeah. why Route
1: 85 in Montville is where all that stuff is. Gotcha. Because the land's cheap. Yeah. And no one's ever – no one drives up Route 85. So <laughs> I tell people but like, you know there's an indoor go-karting track up there? Oh what? No, where, I didn't where? know that. You know there's a dinosaur park up there? Oh what? Where? Who? Yeah. What? Um. So, I mean, that's part of it is they've got the space for that. But laser tag requires, what, 2,000, 3,000 square feet. Um. We've got multiple places in downtown Groton. That are ten thousand square feet or larger that have been empty for years
0: like the like this is what's this over here like a roller roller rink or something well like that? so, so that formerly? place the issue
1: was the building was falling apart oh um yeah we, we have buildings that aren't falling apart and don't have okay. water pouring <laughs> through the ceiling yeah, yeah the, right. the roller rink um what happened there was that the the guy who owned the the rink didn't own the building ah um and apparently and of course, now I'm talking out of school on video, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure. What you don't happens, have to say anything you don't want and, to. No, I, I think what happened was he actually wa- offered to buy the building, and then the, then the guy who owned it wasn't willing to sell it, and so it ended up closing because the building wasn't being maintained.
0: I just saw something on on the page yeah. about it potentially being a brewery, like getting opened up into a brewery. There's a new fencing around it, construction yeah, but, fencing,
1: and that sometimes happens where you have a building owner who says I could make more money off this building being something else. So I'm going to – I'm not going to kick you out because I don't want to be a bad guy. I'll just stop maintaining it until you move out. Ah. There's um, always leverage. Yeah. There's
0: always leverage when you're yep. the owner.
1: Well, And then that's what's happening in, on Thames Street. Okay. Is you got all these empty buildings and nobody wants that. to sell first. Ah. Because the buildings aren't worth that much right now because there's no activity on Thames Street. The first one that sells is going to sell to someone who wants to make something happen. They're going to renovate it. They're going to put in a you know, restaurant or whatever – and then all the other buildings around it go up in value.
0: Right. But aren't these properties at the moment with the housing crisis, if we could call it a crisis? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean the market is just booming right now as if you're a seller. Um, wouldn't that make these values on these properties go up anyways? Well, they're
1: commercial properties.
0: So so, what's the oh di- uh, well? So diff- re- I mean, residential. Yeah. yeah, okay. So not so the market for commercial is not really as right. as Cause hot it, as residential.
1: What well, has to be has to be fungible. right? So you can't live in a commercial property.
0: Yeah, so people who need yeah. housing.
1: Um, they're not going to go there. And what's happening in the residential market? There's a few things going on. One is a lot of people moving like out of the cities. They want to get out of New York and out of the major cities, but also uh, a lot of the moratoriums on evictions and foreclosures. Had a huge impact to the market, right? Because foreclosures, when you get foreclosed, that house goes right on the market. Well, if you can't foreclose people, those houses aren't going on the market. Mm. So that created some.
0: I was getting outbid when I was apartment hunting. Mm-hmm. I was getting outbid on rent. Yep. On rent, people are are bidding for higher rents. Like I'll pay uh-huh. you three hundred more than what you listed this for, just to move. Just if you promise me, I get it. Yeah, and these are all people like i, I talked to my realtor i talked to um a lot of people uh landlords that were um you know you know considering me and and they were like i'm i'm not gonna lie to you these are all out of state people mm-hmm. they're all out of state people coming and they are willing to pay top dollar yep until you know they get their place and it's just it's mind-blowing to me
1: well, well i mean yes when so moving out of new york and you know in new york a
0: Oh, they don't care. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It's a what a, a four hundred square foot studio for fifteen hundred dollars a month. Right. So they come up to Groton and they see fifteen hundred dollars a month for a three bedroom, and they're like, Jeez. Oh my god, that's like free.
0: This apartment in New York would be probably like thirty five hundred. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So they're they're definitely um, they don't care. They're, yeah. They'll pay.
1: <laughs> and and then of course the other thing that happens is well around here we have we have like electric boats hiring and um, so that's that's shifting a lot of people moving up. And people love the area. So right. when they retire from electric boat, they don't leave. When they retire from the Navy, they don't leave. Mm. They stay and they buy a house mm. uh, or they stay in their apartment. So, so even, cause a lot of people work for electric boat for three, four, five years, build their resume, and then work somewhere else. Yes. But they don't move. Yeah. They stay yeah. here and work somewhere <laughs> yeah. else. Yeah. Um, but no, 80% of Groton residents, or 80% of the people who work in Groton don't live in Groton. Okay. Which means they're not paying property tax here. They usually, usually, usually tend to eat close to home, not close to where you work. Because, mm. like, you get dinner near your house, not near your job. Um so we're losing out on a lot of revenue so I'm, I'm also on the economic development, economic development commission here in town
0: oh, okay uh, so which, you're 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 actually yeah. so I I was trying to figure out some some stuff about you uh, uh-huh. leading up to the show and and so you're actually really involved in the community yeah. community okay yes. cool yeah. so that's that's good to know yeah so how so how um so you were saying something yeah. about your
1: yeah. so about eighty percent of the people who live here um or work here don't live here. And part of that's because we're not building enough new housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, that you see everywhere because that's that tends to be a zoning thing. It's very yeah. difficult to build developments, um, sometimes for good reason, because developments are very permanent. Mm-hmm. So you don't just want to let developers build anywhere. They tend to be pretty uh, ruthless, I guess yeah. you'd say. You know, yeah, very no, immersive. that's a good,
0: that's a good but, word. Because a lot of
1: these developers are not from here. Right. They you don't know, give a They crap. don't care. They, yeah. they, they, they get their money? Great. You know, They, they build f- ramshackle traffic places that, that ruin the... <laughs> The, Ruined the traffic yeah. and that looked like crap, but they made their money, so they're out. Yeah, so it's the zoning board's job to keep them in line, but they're so big and so complicated that they're hard to make happen. So it's only a certain kind of person willing to, to go that extra mile to make these things happen. Mm. Um, so we don't get, I, I think, i trying to remember, so I think we're short by 1200 units of housing or something like that. There's some Jeez. massive amount of housing that we need. In this town, if we're to keep people in town,
0: especially with the companies that you guys have yeah. here—Pfizer, Electric Boat, the yep. Navy—like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's not even enough Navy housing, yep. probably for for the Navy guys yep. that we have coming in.
1: And then second houses, yeah, um, a lot I of. I
0: still live in the Navy housing.
1: Yeah, a lot of houses we have around here are second homes. Mm-hmm. People don't actually live there; they just spend three or four months a, uh, a year there, and, and just taking up space. Yep. So, my opinion. Um, there was there was occasionally the idea floated of a second house, a second home tax. Oh, um, you know, tax surcharge on homes people don't live in. So if you're whatever your residency is somewhere, and a lot of people love to make their residency Florida because the taxes are cheaper. Yeah. So to yeah. save on taxes, well, you want to have the Groton community, but you want to live in in Florida. Cool. Well, you're going to pay a five mil penalty wow. or a five mil surcharge or three mil surcharge or whatever because you're not contributing to the community in other ways. You're not here shopping. You're not here, you know, whatever. And, of course, it always gets shot down because, you know, oh, it's going to ruin the economy and bring down property values, and and it's going to drive people out. And my thought is, cool, get out.
0: Yeah, you act like there's not going to be a line of other people coming to, you know – Yep. And, and have summers in Mystic, right? You know, and, and it'll
1: drive down property values. That makes housing more affordable. Driving down property values makes people able to buy houses. That's not a bad thing. Let them know, unless you're a homeowner, <laughs> right? Um, but yes, yeah, so so my thought: is we should have a second home surcharge. I think so because taxes—the best taxes—discourage things you don't want. Okay. Cigarette taxes are awesome. You don't want people to smoke? You put taxes on cigarettes. Mm-hmm. You keep raising taxes until people stop smoking, and then it, and that's yeah, a market solution. We're not banning cigarettes. We're just making them prohibitively expensive. So, So, yeah. And then we're using the money from the taxes to abate the problems the thing creates. So gas taxes are used for maintaining the roads and um, maybe health care for issues caused by pollution and stuff like that.
0: Groton doesn't really have that high of taxes, right?
1: Uh, not, not compared pre- to other towns I mean yeah. if you talk to people in Groton uh, they're well, you could talk to me
0: I I, yeah. I lived in Naugatuck yeah they're, they're
1: prohibitively high but yeah if you actually, actually Naugatuck look at has the, the data, fourth
0: worst mill rate in Connecticut
1: yeah our mill rate's like 24 it's not okay and I think it's 20, 27 in the city yeah um, but it's yeah, you know, it's it's not that high, and the services we got for it. I mean, our parks and record credible, our police department. Oh my incredible. god, this
0: community is great, and yep. and the 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 things that Groton offers. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yep. it's our,
1: our schools are fantastic. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, it's yep. so much
0: better, so yep. much better, and not
1: just good but innovative. Yeah, because you can put a lot of money in a crappy school mm-hmm. uh, and still have a crappy school, but we have a really innovative school system. Shout out to Waterbury. Yeah, <laughs> my
0: cousins—they hate—they hate the school system there. They mm-hmm. hate it. They all went through it. Their kids are going through it now. They just hate it. It's yep. You could you could put and Waterbury has the highest tax, like mm-hmm. I think the highest mill rate in Connecticut, as far as like property tax, mm-hmm. car tax, everything like that is just it's so high. And it's like I just saw something on uh, Facebook actually about um, a mother took a picture. She asked her kid to take home a lunch. Mm -hmm. instead of eating it because she doesn't eat it anyways she says i don't like it It, Mm -hmm. it, it's not appealing like and she comes home hungry so she was like okay we'll bring home a lunch so she brings home a lunch and it's two slices of ham and two slices of like bacon on a on a tray like or in a tin foil and like whatever this pathetic excuse of like potatoes are Mm -hmm. and and she was like, why the hell are we paying so much in taxes if this is what our kids are eating? Yep. How do you expect these kids to learn anything off of this diet? Yep, And it's it's and ridiculous. It, have, you
1: seen, have you ever seen the lunch line at Fitch? No. So at Fitch, there's it's three or four lunch lines um, with different options. So there's like a taco line and a salad line and Jeez. a pasta line.
0: Where the hell was um, this when I was a kid? Yeah, it's a,
1: I was in there I'm like, can I eat here? Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that that uh, I think currently st- they still have the grant for the government, so all the lunches and breakfasts are free for all the students. Wow. Um, but even without that, it's, you know, school lunch prices, two bucks or something, yeah. two and a half bucks. Like something super cheap and the lunch program self-supporting. So this incredible array of options and choices. thats it's
0: ridiculous. Dirt
1: cheap. Is, and, and, and part of it, it, it has to do with how restaurants work. If okay. you know you're going to have 700 people through your restaurant every single day, it's much easier to make it. Yeah, to, to make it profitable because you don't you have much less waste. Oh, for sure. Um, but you know they have these incredible options and incredible, and they they bring in like locally grown produce and it's and, ridiculous and it's just incredibly well done. And then there's and it's it probably, it probably because there's one incredible superhero, um, who I believe his name is Ernie. I can't remember his last name, uh, who's in charge of the food service program. It's ridiculous though. Um, it's and ridiculous does an amazing job.
0: And, and and the fact that, Groton is less taxes mm-hmm. than Waterbury. But higher quality in most things across the board. Yep. Um,
1: now, to Waterbury's credit, some of that money go there's there's expensive things Waterbury has to do? Groton oh, to of course. Um, so you know they need a lot more services because they're a city. Yeah. Because they have a lot more low income people, they have to support. Yes. Um, they have to have a lot more programs. You know, their parks and rec has to. I, their their parks and rec budget is probably right. like Groton's total town budget.
0: However, I could I could say one thing about that. You you mentioned the low income and the people that they have to support. Mm-hmm. That's that's great and all. Like totally understand that. But if you're setting up your youth yeah. to follow those footsteps yeah. with a poor lunch, and that poor lunch turns into not having any retention in class, not retaining any of that knowledge they're getting because they're just exhausted or yep. not rested properly or mm-hmm. not ma- hey. like malnutrition. And
1: there's no excuse for the bad food because. It's self funded. Like, it's not Groton's money that goes to making, giving Groton a good food program. All right. It's, they've got someone who runs it well.
0: Yeah. And, and the thing is, that's all you need is yep. someone who knows what they're doing in that job. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it, it's hard to really blame the people in Waterbury mm-hmm. for being in the position that they're at when, you know, that's all they go through. Yeah. It's the cycle, you know? And, yep. and it, it's unfortunate because, uh, there's, I, I feel like there's a lot of smart, kids mm-hmm. that are just not especially in waterbury uh, given the right tools for success yeah you know it, it's sad it, it really is and um i'm hoping that you know eventually other towns because I, I grew up right near waterbury and mm-hmm. and and uh yeah i'm hoping that we adopt where i'm from my hometown in that whole area i hope they could kind of learn from Places like Groton, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say Groton's the best place in the world either, but it's way better than most towns in Connecticut. Yeah, yes. and um, and they they're doing a lot. They're doing a lot more right than wrong, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it's crazy. It's crazy yeah. that.
1: But but so on the topic of education, um, so I have a bit of a rant about education. If you would like to hear it, okay, yeah, right. um, entertain. So, <laughs> so so over the last year and a half, I've been learning a lot about business, mm-hmm. and you know, we've been talking about those ten thousand dollar programs that can turn into a whole lot. And so, so you know, if you ever talk to someone who worked for some, like, multi-level marketing company and put a bunch of money into it and mm-hmm. lost, you, you know that, that feeling you have when you're like, oh, honey. Oh, yeah. Oh, I feel like. Yeah. I now have the response whenever someone tells you about their college. Oof. Especially if they have debt. I mean, if you don't have debt, okay, you had a fun four years. It's cool. Maybe you learned something. Maybe you got a connection or two, and mm-hmm. maybe it helped you get a job, I guess. I don't know. Hopefully. But, <laughs> but if somebody walks out of college with any amount of debt. Because you know any amount of debt they're going to keep for twenty years. Right. Twenty thousand dollars, it's still going to take forever to pay it off. Two hundred thousand dollars, forget it. I know people who can't buy a house because they have too much college debt. They can't yeah. start a business because they have too much college debt, and you know they're buried under this. So when someone comes out with a degree, and it's college debt, it's like, oh, oh I'm sorry, because they got it's and and that's the response you give when someone got scammed. I feel like that too. Yeah. I feel like and, but. But look I said you know, so why is it a scam? It's a scam because they're not being taught anything they need to know. And it's pretty ridiculous because the whole idea is go to college, get a good job, live a good life. Right. Which stops at go to college because everything after that is BS. So you're willing to spend $200,000 to go to a go to a college. $50,000 a year now apparently, which blows my mind. It's ridiculous. Um, but it makes sense, yeah, with the 10% increase in 20 years, yeah. Yeah. So you're willing to spend $200,000 to go to college. Well, there's programs out there that have an 85% chance to make you $100,000 that cost $10,000. Yeah. So you take your $200,000. You buy five of those programs. You take the rest of the money. It pays your living expenses for years and it pays for some academic program. Okay. Um, But the academics aren't your typical academics where you learn English for the love of language because that's why we study Shakespeare. In the 15th century... When the humanities first became taught the way we now teach it in college, it wasn't because they loved language. It was because they loved money. Mm. And when you study the classical writers, they were really good at convincing, really good at re- writing clearly, really good at strategizing. And so you learned, studied that. So when you went into the, in the business world, you were really good at it too. Right. Uh, and you learned how to write eloquent letters that convinced people to do things. And you learned how systems worked and you learned how to communicate effectively and build relationships and network. And that's how, you know, the Medici's and everyone else like them.
0: You, you say uh, though, but you say, um, just take that 200,000 mm-hmm. and invest it in something else. Now it's a lot easier to get approved for, um, student loans than it is for uh-huh. personal loans. Yes. So yes. why don't you explain so that, that situation? So, so Cause it's so not like we you have, have, have that. Yeah.
1: So, so, so one of my, my long-term goals because um, I don't like to have dreams anymore. I like to have goals. Okay. Uh, one of my long-term goals is to create a college on this model, where the the idea would be you get it accredited because you have the academics, which would be you know robust. At, you, know, you have you have PhD professors um, teaching real history, English, math, all this all the academic stuff, but with the focus on anytime a student says why do we have to learn this, the professor damn well better have an answer. Right. Because you're not going to say because English is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. We're no. not here for beauty. No, we're here to learn something we need to know. Now you're going to learn the beauty of language, so you can use it. Become a great copywriter, a great salesman, a great speaker, a great negotiator. Yeah. You're going to study history because you want to learn how things break and how they screw up and what how people are crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, because every lesson you need in business is in history. Yeah, you know, study the French Revolution. You know everything you know, know need to know about business. And how crazy people are. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And, and you know, there's so much you can learn there that's really practical. Yeah. If you're focused on practicality and not beauty of language and the importance of history and the and the elegance of math, like okay, yeah, cool. It's beautiful and elegant and important. What's it for? What can we do with right. it? Right. And but but so so the model would be to strap on this business side. And I've also considered approaching a local college as building this into the program. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it would work cause the way their financial system works, but. So with these programs, they're often 10 to 50-week programs, depending on what they are. Um, probably 20 to 50-week programs. So you put in your 10000 You do this. You're hands-on. You're learning something. And remember, if you go to college, you spend $10,000. You get nothing right. but knowledge. You're, de- you're guaranteed not to make money. Nothing in college makes money on purpose <laughs> because money is dirty. So you, you spend 10000 And if one of the five of them makes money, then you've paid for your entire four years of college. With this program, mm-hmm. and probably more than one of them will, because it's a proven system, and you're simply replicating something that's been done. You're learning how to do it, and instead of coming out of college two hundred thousand dollars in debt, you come out with two hundred thousand dollars in cash. Yeah. Um. So sounds the, all good. Yeah. So th- this is my. What's the catch? The challenge of getting accredited, right? Turning into a real school. What What I'm planning to do actually is is get a bunch of these programs I know that are reputable, that are trustworthy people that I know, gotcha. who are are vouch for, bring them together into one program. Mm. Where basically instead of going on the internet and being like oh, I don't know what I should buy, <laughs> you've got five that were where collectively we're like all five of these are great. It's what do you like doing? You know, this one's building a profitable podcast. This one's a book launch. This one's a summit. This one's yeah, uh, uh making money speaking. Uh, you know, pick the one that you resonate with. Some be like, I love writing. I hate speaking. Well, you probably shouldn't do the speaking one.
0: Yeah, for you know, sure.
1: I hate writing. I love speaking.
0: I just find it. I find it crazy that um other countries just do it so much better. Mm-hmm. And um. So, so my story, as far as my college career goes, was I had, um, I really wanted to get my bachelor's degree in construction management mm-hmm. and I wanted to, cause my, my brother works for a very reputable company and he could get me in like that mm-hmm. and in a good position. And, um, you know, it's good to, to be related to people and to know people. And, and the only requirement, bad. the only requirement was you need a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, I can make that happen. You know, did my two years at a community college close by to here? I'm sure you know it. Mm-hmm. And um, and so when it came time to prepare for my move to, um, I was going to go to Central. Uh, I there was a problem with two courses that I could not pass. And courses that my brother told me specifically that I would not be using on a day to day basis, mm-hmm. and if and if I do, maybe very minimally. And those two courses were pre calculus or calculus, the the whole thing together, and um, chemistry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I couldn't get through to those two. For I couldn't construction management for construction management running a job. Organizing contractors to come in and out, scheduling, budgeting, working with the architect and the engineers, and making sure the job runs fluently. I don't understand how – I mean, and the craziest thing, you know, working with prints and making my own prints, going through the CAD programs and and doing all these different hands-on and, like, there's actually substance that I'll be using in these courses – all those courses I passed with flying colors Mm -hmm. and it's almost like a talent kind of got wasted because of two courses. Yep. It's ridiculous. I tried them both twice and I still couldn't get it. It didn't click in there, you know,
1: like it's just, well, and, and that is, it was the talent's wasted. So, you know, from the economic macroeconomic perspective, you are now probably working below your potential oh for sure so if you if you should be worth $140,000 a year to the economy now you're worth you know 80,000 or whatever it is a lot lower <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're, you're 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 not producing what you could be producing for sure um in a field where there's not enough people doing that mm-hmm. cuz I know construction is is one of those areas construction's where they're, definitely they're they're short lacking right now um and, and there's a few places where this you know was bad the school shouldn't have made you do courses you couldn't pass arbitrarily that didn't have anything to do with it the company shouldn't have required you to have a piece of paper that didn't mean anything exactly uh so
0: but with that company you can't blame the company too much for that is be, you know because how else are they going to vet certain people to get the job yeah. how especially at an entry level like position like that that's a lot higher than most you know you're running and Significantly more important, and mm-hmm. the responsibilities are a lot greater. Yep. Um, how do they find if if you don't have that piece of paper? How are they supposed to find? Yep. The well, one.
1: And this is where the, this is where the apprenticeship model works well, right? Um. So instead of, cause I I am a a huge, I, I'm I'm a fan of unpaid internships, except for a lot of the problems with them, um, which is mostly that a lot of people can't afford them. Uh. But again given my growing disdain for traditional education if you're willing to give someone a loan to live in a dorm and drink every week why can't you give someone a loan to live in an apartment and work an unpaid internship right won't you learn more in the unpaid internship and, and you know, you have some requirement of they have to learn something or whatever but the great thing about an unpaid internship or an apprenticeship which is really what it is Is they get to learn how you work if they like you. They get to teach you what you need to know. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of it, they're like, all right, we just just invested a whole bunch into you. We think you're pretty good. Here's your job. Right. And who cares if you learn pre-calculus or whatever other. But you have
0: colleges and universities in Europe that will say, screw all that. Mm -hmm. We're going to get you more hands-on knowledge on these things and practice and – Um, I have a cousin who, uh, was into prosthetic, um, Mm -hmm. engineering, like she, she would design her own prosthetics and in classes and actually be more hands-on. I mean, she had her, you know, fair share of math, science and whatever, Mm -hmm. but, um, nothing to the point where she couldn't handle that was too out of the ordinary, you know, it was all things that sort of related at least you could kind of draw a line where it was related to where she was going you know and and sometimes i look at course like curriculums like uh, degrees and and you see the the credits that are required and you're and you're going down the list and 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 you could see like okay i understand why this is here i understand why that's there but why is this here why Mm -hmm. is this course here you know what what the hell am i going to use this for Yep. and it's it's just so sad because you have – I'm sure you have many other people like myself mm-hmm. who just said, fuck it. I'm going to go do something else.
1: And, and the number of stories of people who you – know, heartbreaking stories. They go $50,000 in debt. Right. And then they can't finish school. That's even worse. And now they worse. don't have a degree and they're in debt and it's – and then they learn nothing useful. Right. So they didn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. They didn't get the piece of paper, but they got the debt. It, it's – it is a – That's the worst case scenario. Yeah. It is a nightmare situation. Um yeah, I, I, at this point, unless somebody's like, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be whatever, and they have a clear idea of exactly what they need to do to get all the way to the end, I wouldn't recommend someone go to college.
0: Right. Well, um, I'm kind of fortunate that it happened, though, mm-hmm. you know, because you could either dwell on a, oh, yeah. a shitty situation or you can make the best of it Absolutely. and really, you know, go and do something in the right direction. And, um, yeah, I took time off from that. From once I realized, okay, this is not happening, mm-hmm. I took time off and traveled and, and really cleared my head and really figured out, okay, what do you want to actually do with your life? And I figured it out. You know, I, I, I uh, photography was great to me. Mm-hmm. I made some money off of photography and and I started my little side business and it was a good thing, good passion to have, good side gig to have. And then also I stumbled upon podcasting, which. Surprisingly enough, I only learned that podcasts existed like last year. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been good to me. And once I realized, okay, I want to make this into something, I Mm -hmm. just need to find that something. But this is the realm of where I want to be. Jobs don't really, like, me wanting a job is okay, you know, and, and, you know, to pay the bills is great Mm -hmm. and to live, you know, to have a job is to support what I want to do right mm-hmm. now. That's where it is, but that's not where it's going to be, you know. And yep. and right now, I learned okay, I know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna need other jobs to support what I want to do. And then once I get to where I want to be, this is going to be my bread and butter. Well,
1: and, and the amazing thing I, I see in the in the the podcast space, the coaching space, the solopreneur space, basically, mm-hmm. um, the further decision makers are from the where things are happening, the worse their decisions are. That's why college is so bad, because professors are students who never left school. Mm-hmm. Um, many. So some professors go out in the world and then come yeah, back and teach. Yeah, for sure. But some simply just never left school. They yeah. kept going until they got yeah. to the end. They got their trophy, and now they're at the front of the class. Yeah. And they're teaching. And that, that's why you end up with, with such – with schools that are so out of touch and teaching things that are so ridiculous and useless. Whereas solopreneurship is the opposite of that. There's no, there's no board. There's no committee. There's no team. There's no – there's you. Yeah, and if it works, you do it. If it doesn't work, you don't do it. Right. Um, And you're working with people. You you find people who did it, and someone says, "I did it. Here's how I did it," or "Pay me. I'll teach you how to do it." And you have this very Darwinian system, except that when somebody fails, they don't die and Mm. they don't leave. Right. So it people are evolving as individuals, not so much by failing out, but by okay, I tried seven things; those didn't work. The eighth thing worked. Now I know okay, now I'm going to learn from this and do the next things. Uh, and a lot of the course, the legitimate courses, I mean, there's plenty of people out there making $20,000 a year who will say, I'll teach you how to make a million dollars, which, <laughs> you know, ridiculous. <laughs> but the legitimate courses are so many times it's, I stumbled on how this works, and now I'm going to teach you how I did it. Right. You know, I wrote a book on networking because I stumbled on how networking works, and now I'm going to teach you how I did it. Right. Uh, and so th- so there's, there's so many... Things like that, and, it, and it's it's amazing to watch because it's the complete opposite of traditional education, mm. which is we're going to teach you a bunch of crap that we think is maybe important, I guess, because it always has been. Um, To this is what I did three years ago that I'm still doing, and now I'm going to teach it to you. Mm. And like I, I can show you as if uh, the
0: world sat still for those three years. Well, uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> but but no, I'm still doing it that way. All um, right. For example, so I, I use a, a platform called Influencer Soft which is a, I don't even know what you call it, but it's like an all-in-one course creator coach platform. It's got uh, funnels, emails, websites, landing pages, um, all that. And their templates that they offer, which are great fully usable templates, are their templates. So if they show you a landing page, and they usually don't even strip their stuff out of it. So their landing page template is a template they use for selling Infusionsoft. Or Influ- influencer soft. They sound a lot like Infusion Soft. <laughs> um, influencer soft. So it'll say, you know, influencer soft uh, and the price and the thing and the, like it's their sales page that you can then swap out all the text and the images and the colors wow. and make it yours. But they're saying this works for us. So here it is. So here it is. You yeah. can use it too. Yeah. Which is brilliant because they already paid to create it. Hmm. And. Now they're just making money. Now they're it. giving it yeah. to you. It's a win-win. And now you're like, this content's amazing. Of course it is because yeah. what they use is not like they've got their marketing team making the stuff they sell with. Mm-mm. And they got some other team making the stuff that you, It's already proven to work you get too. To use. Yeah. Yeah. And it's – so you get a lot of that like here's what I'm doing right now. Like the, the summit I'm doing. I'm okay. working with a company called 360 Summits. They've done 100 summits. They know how to do a summit. Yeah. They've tried everything that failed. They've tried everything that works. They've got that experience and I can then leverage that. And that's one of the, the huge things I've learned. Yeah, in last few years, last few months, one of the big things I learned the idea of strategic alliances and joint ventures, So working with other people, mm-hmm. um, and the 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 epitome of this is basically don't learn things you're bad at, partner things you're bad at, right? Or hire if you can do that. But most most people in the solopreneur space can't hire somebody, mm. but they can partner with somebody for sure. Like we were saying with the the video arcade idea, you know, don't. Just lease a bunch of machines. Partner with the guys who own the machines, right? You Make know, your life easier. Yeah, don't learn how to run a summit. Partner with George, who knows how to run summits. Yeah, don't learn how to launch a book. Partner with Nina, who knows how to who knows how to do a book launch. Um, and because if you, you know, I could learn how to do it in a year, mm. and spend tens of thousands of dollars failing, right? Or because I think a lot of people are like, well, why should I hire someone? I can learn how to do it. Because you can hire someone for ten thousand. Or you can spend a hundred thousand learning. Exactly. So why don't you just give them the money? They already learned. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's a bargain. Use it. Yeah, that's that's a cheap way out, and yeah. it, it's a win-win. I'm mm-hmm. sure they're not going to complain about your ten thousand.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it was brilliant. Most of these models, um, is is once you pay them, you then have a partnership with them, mm. which I I love that because off of these programs, they make way more than ten ten thousand is just showing you're serious. Oh wow. Um, and I think it covers, like, the hard costs of getting started. Yeah, 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 yeah. But with most – I've seen all these programs where once you do that, now you're working together and there's yeah. going to be a revenue share. For sure. Now, now, your initial response might be like, what? I paid for this. I want all the money. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm working with someone, I want them to have a revenue share. You want them to be happy and you want them Because, to- well, not only that, if I give you 10000 and and I'm going to keep all the money – What's your incentive to do anything after I paid you?
0: Oh no, nothing.
1: I mean, yeah, I kind of want to work hard because I guess you paid me yourself. The quality, integrity. No, they have to something. get
0: paid. You ha- there has to be yep. incentive for everything. But
1: but if it's okay, I paid you ten, and now in the course of this, each of us can make between fifty and five hundred. Mm. Well, now you're gonna work. Yeah, ten thousand. Where we get started? Right now, you're gonna get to work. You're not gonna walk away from this because the real payout is later. For sure. And that, that's where the real value is going to come in. And that's, um, you know, I, I, I attended this event called Strategic Alliance Live. And that's when I really learned about joint ventures, strategic alliances, all that kind of stuff. Um, and once I realized, I'm like, oh, oh, you know, <laughs> mind blown. Uh, because suddenly all these possibilities exist. And that's where the guy who's just getting started and has got a lot of spunk and energy, but no knowledge or skills or money. Mm-hmm. Can, can really you know move level up, because what I'm finding working on the summit is I've got time and spunk and energy. Yeah. And they've got a system. They don't have time. So and 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 because I always thought like, well, if they have this great system, why can't they just do it themselves? What do they need me for? They don't have time. Yeah. They don't want to go out and recruit the speakers. They don't have time. Yeah. For so sure. every and if they hired somebody, how motivated would they be?
0: Eh. not that motivated. <laughs> yeah, or maybe they would, maybe they would Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. And, it's just um, not that, it, it, it's a lot, If it's too, mu- it's yep. too much for but, them.
1: But by making it a product instead of a job.
0: Now you got something.
1: Yeah. You know, now they're going to pay me way more than they would pay an employee. Mm-hmm. But they know I'm going to work because I'm my boss. Right. They're my partner, not my boss. And that's, and I'm going to yeah. be self-motivated because it's my business. Um, and it's, it's just a huge difference. Uh, it's a really interesting model. One of the big things, kind of, you know, get away from all the, the rubrics. So instead of this, like employee and boss, I, there's all kinds of other ways to do it. Partnerships. Um, I forgot
0: what job I had, but they called a they called their employees partners. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Starbucks. Okay. They called us partners, which obviously, um, yeah. Corporate speak, <laughs> yeah, line, but yeah. but I feel like there's a thing behind that. Yeah, it's it's not it's 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 I think it's a an action to make you love your job more. Just mm-hmm. that, even if it's a little ounce more. Oh, I'm a partner. Yep. I'm not. I'm not a crew member. I'm not a. Uh, you know, I'm not just a barista. You know, it. It's yep. it's a, a little higher than that. Well, and, and a the, smidge higher.
1: The step above that, if you want to actually like get value from it as an employer is to link compensation to performance of the store if it's a small enough unit right now if it's a performance of your thousand person team it's worthless. yeah yeah because there's some bum on the team who's going to pull you down but at a coffee shop level you're all one team you're all working together and again you're the right managers to do this Mm -hmm. but you make it so you know we're hiring you all at 15 bucks an hour but we're then going to give you five percent of the total store revenue is going to be divided proportion to how many hours you work right so the better we do the more you all make
0: you would think right i mean i i thought so when i was in college i went for uh construction management mm-hmm. and then obviously that didn't pan out and i i just had to try again just in case you know mm-hmm. with something else and i went with business management i do have a, a an associates in business and you would think it's like you would think it's like common sense the stuff that they teach you and so, second nature, and that's kind of where where I learned. Like, okay, I could really be a manager and implement the things you're talking about. And mm-hmm. and um, but it's not it's not common sense to the majority yep. and into m- most small businesses that um think they're doing right, but realistically, they could get a lot more out of their employees.
1: The other problem is the employees are trained wrong, right? And I don't mean trained by the step, I mean like by life they're trained. Yeah. So. Yeah, If you or I were to go into Starbucks and they said that you're going to get – yeah, we're going to divide up the – so first off, it has to be sufficient incentive because if I do the math and I say, okay, well, there's 37 employees and mm. we do $100,000 a month, so I'm going to get uh, $97 into the month, I don't care. Right. Um, but there you can change the system. Don't make it up money. You make it up something else. Right. You know, Scoreboards are phenomenal. Yes, they were. So, if you have a um, a, a customer rating, if Add you had a few of them. Yeah, I yeah.
0: had a few of them at yep. certain jobs.
1: Yep, and and you got a scoreboard in the back, and it's got like all the stores in New London County, and you can see where you rank. Um, and you know the, the new numbers come out, and you discover you're in fourth place behind those S O B s over in New London. I'm like, oh, New London, we're coming for you, right? Yeah, you know, we, we are going to deliver the best service because you're going down <laughs> to London. Um. If you can get people into that team mindset it's not about money you're right because it takes you know it needs to be a meaningful amount of money for that to matter and the disappointment if they fail if they don't get the money it's like oh i was gonna pay my car payment with that now i didn't get it um whereas instead if it's just like we're winning
0: but what do you do the see so the direct positive to that is okay the company thrives for that Mm -hmm. you know and maybe if you're the leader of that um success and they notice you're the the best of the pack. I guess mm-hmm. um, you might squeeze in a promotion if you're lucky, um, but unfortunately, and I don't mean to be you know the bearer of bad news or anything, but um, when it's time to go to a better opportunity or to look for a better opportunity, say you have a yep. kid or you know fu- the future happens, um, you know it's unfortunate that you still need that piece of paper none mm. of these no one's gonna be like so were you at the top of your scoreboard
1: yep. but so this is a place where businesses can can make use of this mm-hmm. um, so there's often this mindset of like when we lose an employee we lose right because they don't think big picture but what if instead you had this um you know this score system and you had the mindset of our job is to make our employees win because if you create the right culture you can bring someone into that culture like nothing oh for sure and you need, everyone wants to work for a winner. So if somebody leaves, they're easy to replace. And then when you replace them, they're going to absorb the culture, and they'll be a good worker too. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, like, you're going to be with us forever, and be like, oh, I can't make a living at 16 bucks an hour here. Uh, crap. Instead, say, this is your springboard. We know you're not going to stay here forever. Right. You're too good to stay here forever. Exactly. You know, we got rock stars in this place. You're going to be here for a couple of years. You're going to go somewhere better. And when you do, we're going to send you with a letter that says... You know your team was consistently in the top three out of the 12 in the district um that and, would be
0: worth yeah, putting on the resume yeah and for sure.
1: and you know if they call us up we're going to tell them how awesome you were so you can get your next opportunity because this is the place you know think about how college athletes play i mean it's changing now they're finally getting paid but the way college athletes play for nothing right why do they play so hard because they want to get into the pros right because they know, you know, the college wants to get them drafted. Of the course. college isn't saying like, "Let's keep you for an extra year." You know, we're not going to let you go to the oh, NFL. They saying, it, here. But yeah. they would love it. Though. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but they're not going to like sabotage their oh, career sure. to no. keep them there. No, they're going to do everything they can to get them drafted by the best teams, so they can be like, "Look what happened to that guy." You he know?
0: came from Duke. Yeah. yeah,
1: he came from Duke, and now he's there, and now he's at the Super Bowl. So, you know, imagine if a Starbucks had a a wall of success mm. with. You know, when somebody goes off to to a management position somewhere, goes off to some successful next role, and had a wall of like these are our former employees. Look where they've ended up. Don't you want to go there? Give the best service you can here.
0: Well, to play the devil's advocate here, because I'm I'm with you and I Mm -hmm. agree. uh, But playing just devil's advocate here, uh, that does kind of in my you know it kind of sounds like that might hold the same value as writing down. On the resume like employee of the month for six straight months you know what i mean like it doesn't it for some reason that as great you could have the best customer service mm-hmm. skills in the world like you know and, and and by achieving those things such as employee of the month or being mm-hmm. the top in your district or or the top in your state as far as like the scoreboard goes it doesn't like, unfortunately, it doesn't certify you in customer service.
1: Well, so I think it, where it really gives you value is if this is actually baked into the culture, mm-hmm. so that the company is actually trying to get staff.
0: Ah, okay, okay, I get hinder. what you're saying. Yeah, because um, there's multiple steps yep. there that have to happen, and it has to be a. You're right; it has to be yep. a cultural thing. Yeah, cultural Because the
1: issue is that these these retail play, just because the economics they can't pay twenty five dollars an hour because the money's not there, mm-hmm. um, but they need to to support the people. Right. So what can they provide value of that's not cash and opportunity is value different from cash So you know if you can if you can effectively train someone in what two weeks mm-hmm. to be a decent barista, um, it may take years to get them to be good and attentive but if you're getting the best people because they know it is it if if Starbucks, for example, or a local coffee shop or whatever could get all the people on their way to senior management and sales positions mm-hmm. you know if you could get everyone whatever uh, you know there's no big companies around here but <laughs> if, if you get everyone on their way into a Goldman Sachs management okay. but they could work at your coffee shop for two years on the way through you'd have a pretty damn good coffee shop oh for sure because you'd have like entrepreneurs and serious oh, people yeah. working there yeah. um, so if your business model was we create winners when they leave kind of like a college should doesn't should yeah. <laughs> um kind of like a college should, then you're going to get the best people. Right. You don't have to reward them in cash because they're going to get their rewards in life in the hereafter. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do, do you know off the top of your head um because obviously, you know, you 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 pay more attention to economics than than uh, I do for That's sure. Right. But uh uh do you know off the top of your head how much someone has to make in Connecticut 40 hours a week to support themselves, just a single
1: individual? Uh I, I seem to recall $27 an hour.
0: It's ridiculous. I heard somewhere. Um, how, how you know what I mean? Like yep. how, especially with, you know, a lot of people will say, and, and you know, like I said, you're you're more uh, well-versed on mm-hmm. this than I am, but a lot of people will say, just raise the minimum wage and everything will be all right. And but, but how are you supposed to at $15 an hour, let's say mm-hmm. support yourself single one person like I am right now, mm-hmm. you know, um off a of 27 like who's hiring for 27 dollars an hour yeah it's ridiculous and the fact that i think i feel like the the way we're going as a country is like you need we used to be the the people that you know got our hands dirty and were in the trades and and this and that mm-hmm. and then everybody was like oh no no you gotta now you gotta get a degree and and push for that degree and, and get that degree because, you know, but now everybody got degrees. So now like, oh, shoot, we need yeah. more people in trades. And it's – I feel like it's like a vicious circle.
1: Well, And, and it also comes down to the idea of, of work is not appreciated because – so the the ethos of the nobility, which then became the old rich, mm-hmm. um, has always been what in America we we look to, much as we claim to hate them. Um, yeah, yeah. And no nobles didn't work. No. They fought, but that's not working. You know, mm. killing people's not working. Um <laughs>
0: depends on who it's yeah. for, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: soldiering is a whole different yeah. thing for like working. Like nobles didn't didn't shoe horses and work fields. Like right. that's below them. And we've carried that through to this idea of I, so when I when I started driving driving DoorDash last December, I'd kill people be like you you can't tell anyone that. No one's gonna want you as a coach if they know you're driving DoorDash. Why not? And for a couple months, I was like, "Oh yeah, I better just kind of keep that in the down low." As actually a couple weeks, and then I was like, "No, wait, hold on. Who do I really want to help? I want to help the people who are making thirteen dollars an hour, who can barely make ends meet, who want to overthrow capitalism because they don't think it's worth it." Right. Uh, and, and you know, big picture, there is a threshold at which, when enough people hate capitalism, we don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we get something far, far worse because I've studied revolutions. Oh yeah, and they oh, yeah. never end up good. No, no, never no, no. end up good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't think of a single revolution in history where the people rose up and it was better afterwards. <laughs> never better, always worse. Unless you're super rich and don't get executed. Yeah. Um, if you're super rich and can survive the revolution, you'll always end up better. All so right. never ends up better. But but yeah, you know, th- there's that that threshold which I don't know how close we are to it. But right. we're getting closer every day. We are. So
0: I feel like the glass is only getting
1: yeah. so, more so, full. So part of my mission is how can I help these people to stop hating capitalism and instead show them how to use it right? and get out of it. And so if I, if I pretend to be a successful coach guy because I'm charismatic and I'm networked and I do all these things that maybe they can't do mm-hmm. or don't think they can do, well, all I'm doing is putting myself in that group they hate. That doesn't help the people I want to help. If instead I say, here's what I'm doing, I'm building my business, I'm following my dreams, and I'm doing it with something you can do.
0: And you're still living your life. Yeah. You're not not homeless. You're not struggling. I mean,
1: I'm I'm at the moment working my ass off because I'm trying to build a business. Exactly. I'm making the choice to work 40 hours and then work 30 more hours. But that's okay. Yeah. Who says Um, that's wrong? But if I ever decided, you know what, I I don't really need to build a business. I'm just going to live. I could just drive Uber 40 hours a week. Make twelve hundred dollars a week, forty times thirty, mm-hmm. uh, and live a pretty decent life. Yeah, um, why not? Yep, and not? And, and if it, and, and I know there's there's some people who they optimize it better. That there's better ways to work at just the right time, just the right places. I can make more. Um, but so I want to share what I'm doing. We're talking about the people like they're successful at funnels, so they sell their funnel skills. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not selling my skills. Well, you're I'm being just, that guy yeah.
0: that you go to for, you know,
1: yeah, and. Any,
0: any other expertise, like you mentioned earlier?
1: Yeah, but I don't think I'm ever going to make my fortune off convincing people to drive Uber. But <laughs> but that's more mission. My, right. you know, I'm going to make my fortune doing these, working with these programs. I'm gonna make my fortune working with people who know how to do it. Right, paying them and partnering with them Partners. because yes, I don't clear. know how to do what they can do. I'm going to partner with them and leverage what I know. And then my mission is helping people to come along. Right, and maybe they'll never do all of what I'm doing. But if I can get someone to quit working at Wendy's and drive DoorDash instead. When I was doing DoorDash, I realized, you average about $24 an hour, 22 to 24 an hour doing that. Um, And one thing that holds it back is you have to wait for the restaurants, which are slow because they're understaffed and the whole thing. But I realized, you know, they hand me the food and I'm thinking, this person's making 12 bucks an hour, handy to me making $24 an hour. Their job is working when they're told to, on their feet all day, over a fry litter, getting yelled at by customers. I'm just
0: bringing someone their food.
1: I'm sitting in my car listening to podcasts, music, <laughs> audio books, talking on the phone occasionally. Yep. Like, I'm making twice as much, and my job is five times oh, as good. Oh, life is so tough. And, <laughs> and, you know, they drove a car here. Right. You know, I mean, maybe they walked to work, but most of them probably drove a car to work. Hmm. If the car can take them to work, it can take them to deliveries. There is nothing stopping them from doing what I'm doing except not knowing about it. That's right. And here's the thing, so we talk about you know, on my on my, my website on guy.com, I have a uh, an article called my mission and it's to make minimum wage irrelevant. Wow. Um, because the market is a powerful thing. I'm a huge fan of the free market. You know, capitalism is great. We should try it. Mm-hmm. We don't have it, but you know, it would be good if we tried it. Um, and that's sort of true for capitalism, 100% true for free markets. Free markets are great. We should try having one. Yeah, we have. We don't have one, but it'd be great if we had one. Um, but markets work well if ten percent. And I'm pulling this number out of the air. Ten percent, let's say, of people left the, the labor market, mm. wages would have to go up. Right. Because now you're chasing, and you're seeing that already. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, you're seeing yeah. wages go up. Um, you know, Taco Bell starts at started at thirteen fifty before the minimum wage went up to thirteen. Right. Um, because they were. It's just
0: incentivizing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. But if just a few people – because, you know, a lot of people are like, well, some people don't have cars or they don't have a license or they don't have this or they don't have that. Well, if one out of ten left their jobs to do DoorDash, Lyft, Inst- uh, Instacart, whatever, that would raise the wages for everyone else there. Oh, for sure. Because that's how the market works. Yeah. So – Give and take. So the people who have the privilege of going and doing these things – um, them taking advantage of it also helps everyone they left behind. Yep. And that's just something people don't realize. And one of the things that drives me, no, if you think I don't like higher education, one thing that drives me (laughs) nuts is the people, the, the supposed workers advocates who bash on gig work. Right. I've never seen a, I've not seen a single regulation for gig workers that would help gig workers. Yeah. Um, California's, California's uh, prop whatever it was to try to redesignate gig uh, uh, Uber drivers as employees. Fortunately, Uber is smart and has very good lawyers and managed to sidestep so it in, screw a, all in a hilarious way. Yeah, but it screwed so many other industries. Right, um, videographers, for example. I know a videographer out there. Really, um, and basically, they can only work with people with LLCs now.
0: Wow.
1: Because remember in our coaching industry we're doing all kinds of yeah,
2: yeah. all kinds
1: of partnerships. Well, you can't partner with someone who doesn't have a formal business. That's crazy. Because you can't you have to treat them as an employee if they're in your core business. So if you're a videographer and you, you try to partner up on an independent contractor basis with an editor, they're in your core business. The law says you have to hire them. <laughs> um so they now have to go out and get their LLC so you can ten ninety nine them because otherwise you can't because that because you know, my friend doesn't have the lawyers to deal with that. Yeah. But you know what Uber did in that case? They said our core business we're an online marketplace. We don't we don't drive people around. <laughs> none of our employees drive anyone around. Yeah. You know, none of these people in this office driving anybody. Yeah. So our core business is running a computer sell- like eBay. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah. eBay sellers are employees of eBay, no one just they are. Uber drivers are not employees of Uber because they are consumers of the marketplace. Which, as an Uber driver, that is absolutely what I am. I don't want to be an employee of Uber. Right. You're the flexibility You're that I can hop off at any second and go to Lyft is what makes it valuable and what makes it the what's how I made nine hundred dollars this past weekend. Because that's, that's I a good number. <laughs> normally, do Uber Lyft had great bonuses. I did Lyft that weekend. Yeah. If Uber has great bonuses next weekend, I'm doing Uber, and it's. And it's a fun job. It's an easy job. It's, um, you know, it's. I wouldn't hide it. Huh? I would have hide it. Yeah,
0: You, you know that now. Yeah, but
1: but but, yeah. That, but that's the thing that that drives me nuts is so many people don't take advantage of it because the people who claim to be advocating for them, hmm. some of them I think are legitimately confused. Some of them maybe they're, maybe they're not actually on the side they claim to be. Um, but the people who they think they can trust, who are fighting for the workers, are saying. Those gig work, those gig companies are going to take advantage of you. They're not taking advantage of you. And what I love is this idea of, oh, you don't have employee protections. What the hell is an employee protection? They can fire you at will. Right. They don't have to give you benefits. Yeah. What, what protections?
0: Connecticut's an at will state. Yeah.
1: What protections do employees have? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So Uber can fire me at will. So could anyone else. Mm. But they don't want to fire me at will because they need me. Right. Because all their other drivers could hop over to Lyft at any moment, and
0: they'd be screwed.
1: If Uber did decide to to take me off the platform, I'd be really upset about it, but I wouldn't be screwed.
0: Right. And it, it, it gives you the freedom to yeah. to do pretty much whatever you're feeling at that moment. Yeah. So, um, listen, man, I could I could sit here and talk all day. <laughs> I could sit here and talk all day. We, you make very good points, and uh, definitely got the mind the mind going yep. um
1: that's what i try to do yeah i mean yeah, you yeah, yeah the number of uber drives, it. the number of times an uber or lyft ride ends with i have learned so much on this ride i'm so glad you picked me up happens <laughs> all the time
0: hey so speaking of that yes um is there because we have to wrap things up soon is mm-hmm. there anything you'd like to leave my listeners with any piece of advice any insight any motivation i guess mm-hmm. you know uh, anything any message you'd like to leave Sure. Him.
1: Well, let me start with a self-promotional message. Um, okay. So my website is guywhonknowsaguy.com and I have two podcasts. One is the uh, Daily Motivation, uh, Morning Motivation, which is a two to four minute quick hit of motivation. And then the Guy who Knows a Guy podcast where I interview successful people and ask them how they did it. Mm. Um, and the amazing thing I've learned in that is that mindset is the number one most important thing. I've talked to people who grew up poor, I talked to one guy, I, I always ask what makes you awesome and his answer was autism. There you go. Or he said Asperger's, but you know, high functioning autism Asperger's. That was his superpower. Mm. Something that most people think of as a disability. He used that his different brain to find the money. Right. And then he learned how to how to work with people so they wouldn't screw him over. But um <laughs> but you know, the number of people I talked to, uh, the number of people I've talked to who have contemplated or attempted suicide and then became millionaires is tremendous. Um, That's awesome. So whatever it is you think is holding you back, whatever it is you think is the reason why you can't do it, is probably exactly where the seeds of your success will be. Wow. Um, I mean, think about that. I'm unfocused, as you can probably tell from this conversation.
0: No, that's definitely... But uh, being
1: unfocused, I've learned all these things. So now that I'm a coach and a speaker, I know a little bit about everything. You can ask about anything, and I I have at least a short answer to any question you're going to ask.
0: Oh, um, sorry, I heard an alarm. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: so so you know whatever it is you think your weakness is, whatever it is, you're like, oh, I can't because I don't know people. I can't because I don't have money. I can't because I grew up poor. I can't because I'm autistic. I can't because whatever. Switch it around to I can because you know growing up poor prepared me by being autistic prepares me by wow. Uh, and if you start thinking about it that way, then you can do it. You now, as Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right.
0: Well, thank you, sir, for being on the show. Um, You definitely got me thinking. Good! And um, I'm sure my listeners are thinking as well, and and it couldn't be, you know, any – it couldn't have been said any better. So uh, I appreciate you coming, and I hope, uh, you know, maybe sometime in the future we can do this again, maybe a little longer. You know, I I usually run about an hour and a half, but hey – you it's know? been fun. It's it, been good. Maybe maybe next time a couple more whiskeys, okay. and, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk, It'll and be a uh, whole different kind of conversation. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, you 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 seem to be an expert in conversing. And thank I, you. You know, and it was a fun uh, fun conversation with you. A, a good time, and I'm sure my listeners would uh, definitely want you back on. So thank you for coming again, and um, yeah. You know, make sure you follow this man. He mm-hmm. is uh, very talented, and I'm sure they could seek out advice. Right, reach Absolutely. out to
1: you. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I do a free 30 minute coaching session for anyone. Okay, perfect. So you can go to my website and schedule that.
0: All right, and and one last time, your website uh,
1: guy who knows a guy
0: Guy who who knows a guy mm-hmm. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in. We will see you next week. Thank you.